true. I feel like those never work. Well, it does in the edit. You line up the clap in the edit, and then that's when, even if they're asymmetrical, if you line it up in the edit, now we'll be together. Closer, at least, yeah. No, we'll be on, we'll be close. There's only a couple times it hasn't worked out, and that's when there's like more than four people in the thing. Then it gets a little tricky. Right. But with two people, you just line up that little sound wave, baby. It should be good. Watch it now not work. I just worry that the clap Somehow. is not at the same time. Well, it's sometimes it's not, but the the beauty of the clap is that you clap, and then if you give it a beat or two, and don't immediately, if you, hey, we're here today, that's not going to work. But if you go boom, beat, 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 now we're starting, the clap is, and then we begin to have a, a, a normal conversation as humans do with give and take. Uh, yeah. Even if the clap is initially not lined up if you line it up in the edit it will it it's, it's kind of like a little magic trick okay yeah All very right. very magical never heard somebody more skeptical about i i've tried I... i've tried that and it never seems to work it's never perfectly lined up because of well, like a tape delay user error. yeah probably i'm probably just a big fat idiot well i mean i didn't want to say anything you big dumbo but if you can't line up a clap, what are you doing in this world? But you, well, we don't need to get into the clap. I'm sure, you know. Listen, I have, I have had too much of the clap in my old days. I don't need it right yeah, now. I, I ran into you at CVS that one time, getting your clap medication. Hey, um, that's supposed to be uh, doctor-patient confidentiality. I'm not your doctor, so I can basically say whatever I want about Well, your, anything uh, that you know. my doctor is involved in means it has to be a secret and you're not allowed to tell anybody. I don't know that that's how doctor-patient confidentiality actually works in the... No, it's true. I told my doctor I killed someone and he was not allowed to tell anybody legally. Okay, that's definitely not how that works. It's, mm-hmm. you, have a bad, you have a bad doctor. You have Michael Jackson's doctor. I have a really good doctor. He doesn't tell okay. anybody anything, like how he I'm gives sure. me the clap and how he gives me the the methamphetamines and, you know. Okay. This seems bad. I would like some of those methamphetamines if you, if you got them. All I got is clap right now, so I can, I can give you that clap. if you'd like. I don't want that, but you let me know when you get, you get crystal methamphetamines and I'll be right over on your doorstep scratching away. Um... You act as if you aren't already. I mean, come on. Uh, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed if it weren't for uh, crystal methamphetamines, quite frankly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's uh, as we all know, it's what keeps me looking so young and fresh. Yes, is the famously. Crystal methamphetamines. crystal methamphetamines do make people look very yeah. young and hip. It, young and hip, and I find that the crystal methamphetamines give a nice shape to my face. Keep it nice and plump. And pert, and um, my teeth are fine. Yeah. If you were wondering, yeah. Well, good. I'm I'm happy that we covered that we covered that. Um, I'm happy that we covered that. I will tell you, uh, and I'm not a man that engages in uh, in hard drug use. Really. Uh, <laughs> no i'm not does that astonish you <laughs> no i was trying to do a bit where i was like really but i was like yeah i don't uh i played it a little too real i don't do anything that uh involves the word heroin i i you know uh, that's not the only hard drug right 
Are there more? Yeah. Well, I don't classify them as such. Oh, it's like that everything's basically on the level of marijuana until we get to heroin. I would say crack cocaine is a different level, and mm, beg to differ. Uh, I'm not a man who enjoys hard drugs, and I never have. But I really? woke up on, yeah, I don't like, <laughs> I don't, I'm dried out. You know what I mean? Um, I woke up on Saturday morning having to go to work and was so, so tired that I truly thought I would welcome cocaine if somebody offered it to I me. I have had that thought. And I mean, yeah, no, don't, don't use this against me in any court of law or anything. You're legally not allowed to use this against me. But I've had the same thought. It's tough, because you're testifying in the Johnny Depp trial next week, and I, I feel like this is going to come up. Hopefully Isn't this won't be most... out in time. Oh, no, I'm going to I'm gonna release it to the lawyers, for sure. <laughs> oh, if good, anything, good, yeah. I'll release it to Amber Heard's team exclusively. <laughs> well, um, she needs all the help she can get. She can get, so... Well, isn't it truly the most dysregulating feeling to feel that if somebody offered me hard drugs i would graciously accept oh yeah like, after after morning 150 at 4 a.m i'm like yeah ugh. i can see why people do this yeah i i can under i can completely understand i mean cocaine i don't really get because it only lasts for like 15 minutes and it seems like it's like i feel like if you do an adderall or a meth it's the same level of energy spread over like several hours. But if you do cocaine, it's kind of like shooting something out of a cannon and then it's just like all gone. Mm. But I'd take whatever I could get, quite frankly. Um, I was so tired on Saturday and it, it, it did not get me better. Um, For the record, I have we have not, we do not do hard drugs. Don't, don't, le- you're legally not allowed to arrest us. Well, no, I mean, if you did hard drugs, they couldn't. They couldn't arrest us because there's no, you know, uh, we're not distributing. But um, I would like to say I'm fairly certain the statute of limitations has actually passed on my drug use. <laughs> like, it was a good while ago that I, that I, uh, you know. Oh, you have done. You, you do. You are a hard drug user. Oh, for sure. I've definitely done hard drugs, but I never enjoyed it. And I, and the thought of doing them now makes me queasy because it's like a it's like a week-long detoxification process for my body if i went out Mm. and did cocaine tonight i wouldn't feel right until close to the end of the month truly (laughs) see i feel that way about having one glass of wine so I, I feel know, that I way about that having one glass of wine, too. <laughs> no, I feel the same way. I don't drink... I mean, I don't drink liquor. I've been fairly honest. The only thing I really do is smoke marijuana, which I very much enjoy as a, as a coping mechanism. And, and, but um, drinking makes me feel bad. And even one drink, I'm like, no, I can't take that on, quite frankly. Mm. I just don't like it. Although lately I've gotten into Red Bull. That's a pretty magnificent thing. That's a drug. I feel like that's just uh, as bad as crack cocaine. It probably is, but it's a cleaner energy. Although I think I'm addicted to it. Because the other day I popped one of those and took a couple gulps and then literally went... Ah, ah, like truly. <laughs> was like... Ah, 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 out on the street because I was so happy to get my... 
Do you need it to do so you need dumb. to talk? I don't are you okay? Noah. Uh, it was a tough weekend, man. I'm not even gonna lie. It was a tough weekend. It was just a tough and I have a very easy job, but it was a tough weekend of feeling tremendously disrespected by every single person I had interactions with, from mm-hmm. uh people I work with to uh clients of mine. Just feeling tremendously disrespected. Um you know? Other than other than feeling disrespected, how are you how are you feeling? Are you okay? Sound like I you've been through fine. a lot. No, I haven't really been through a lot. If I explained it to you, you'd be like, "Really? <laughs> like that's what you're, you know?" It essentially boils down to. Oh, I'm not even gonna explain it. Um, I'm fine. Everything's fine. The problems that I have are minuscule. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine. I, I feel silly. When I go home at night and I'm like, that's what you were so frustrated about today? Really? Like, it's stupid. Um, how are you doing, Noah? I'm alright. Can't complain. Just vibing. Um, I went home for Mother's Day, surprised my mom at home. Which was nice, got to see my dogs for a day, and then I came back to New York. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, just, just... No, I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I uh, crumbling, but you know, barely holding it together. What do you? What else are you gonna do? Yeah, it sounds like both of us are hanging on by a thread. Yeah, like I'm fine, I guess. Cause like complaining about it's not gonna really do me any good. So, so I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I don't I'm know. Fine. Yeah, I'm fine too. I don't really know what to say at this point. Like I can't, I can't even get a job reading copy for a diabetes ad. At this point, which is mm. pretty much, I feel like, the industry telling me that I'm unemployable. Um, but we're all doing fine. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Noah didn't even make a dollar this morning uh, busking in the subway station. But we're doing fine. We're doing fine. We're doing fine. I have a full ice cream cake in my freezer that I will be eating later. We're doing fine. <laughs> Declan, did you see anything um, other than the piece of uh, film we're watching today? The piece of film? What the fuck? Yeah, we're that? only watching one reel. <laughs> we're watching reel number three of The Birdcage. I don't want to see the beginning or the end. Um, Noah, I have to admit, and, I, and I'm realizing now as I put this together that this might have a lot, of, a lot to do with my feelings of despair and disrespect this week, but... I can't take my eyes off the Johnny Depp trial. I am watching every morsel of this thing against all better judgment and dignity of my own. I can't stop. Have you watched any of this thing? I mean, like, bits and pieces. Not, like, close enough that I, like... I know the general consensus of what's going on, but not anything more specific than that. Well... I watched about 10 hours of Amber Heard's testimony on Saturday. Truly. Like, about 10 hours. And then yesterday I'm watching Johnny Depp's sister testify. I'm watching Amber Heard's uh, 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 ex-assistant. I can't get enough of this thing. I, I, Noah, I realized yesterday evening that I was tapping my toes to the court TV music at the (laughs) interludes. I was just like, pop, 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 so excited to get back to this tawdry, awful, and I don't know who to believe. I, 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 I thought 
Amber Heard was lying. And then I heard her testify and I thought, I, I, I think she might be legit. I think she is legit. I don't know what to think. It's tough. They're both actors, so. But I, yeah, it's just. It's They're both just... very good, too, so it's interesting. I don't know. It is interesting. I mean, I don't know who's the better. I mean, I'm just so I'm so turned around by it. And there's a part of me that's like, I'd like both of them to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why I, can't I we? You guys should just get back together. What's going on? There is the romantic comedy part of me that wants to turn this into like an Adam's rib where like in the courtroom one of them just stands up and is like why are we I love you and we should be together and then you know like in like eight months we'll hear that there was a a terrible murder suicide and we'll go oh god we shouldn't have we shouldn't have wished for that but I I just find do you have any opinion on it like what the do you, do you have you seen enough about it to have an opinion on it? No, not really. Well, all I can say is you got to get on this. If you're not watching this in real time, and I wasn't watching it in real time for like the first three weeks. And then last week when Amber Heard was going to testify, I was like, this might be interesting. But truly, we're going to be, t- this is like OJ. We're going to be talking about this for decades. I'm not even joking. Like, this is the craziest, most unprecedented thing to happen in celebrity culture. That we're literally just airing all of this dirty laundry. There's a 45-minute video on YouTube that is just the two of them accusing each other of who defecated in a bed. Like, this I is have the heard about that, thing. which is crazy. There's just... Cra- it's... Look, and I'm going to be honest with you... On the, on the poop testimony alone, I'm willing to say Amber Heard's telling the truth because Johnny Depp testified and he was like, well, you know, uh, she left a bit of a, uh, <clears throat> you know, a, a, a surprise in my bed. Some would call it, uh, <clears throat> you know, um, human fecal matter. And then Amber Heard got up on the stand. She's like, he would lose control of his bowels. I had to <laughs> clean him up. I cleaned up him up in his and his mess and i'm like yeah girl that's how i would be reacting if there was shit in my bed no joke i wouldn't be like well you know i think uh, perhaps uh, there was a, a little matter of, uh, you know uh, the sheets being dirtied she gets up there and she's like exam like girl i that's how i would be if there was shit in my bed i'd be inconsolable years later i'd still not be able to talk about that Ugh. so all <laughs> i can say is you you really should be watching this truly like if you're not, you're not doing your due diligence as like a comedy writer and like a person in the in 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 the world of that. Like it's so insane. All it's right. so insane. That's and high, it's that's high praise. Well, I mean, truly, I I real and obviously, I don't think it'll be as controversial as the OJ trial, but I do think it is like <laughs> they haven't <laughs> had. Sorry. <laughs> they like come out and they're like, eh, the glove doesn't fit. <laughs> There's no way you could have done it. <laughs> if they make Johnny Depp or Amber Heard try on a glove, glove that would glove, be I'm oh, gonna lose kiss. my mind. Yeah, that would be beautiful. Um <laughs> Johnny Depp's like, well, um, obviously uh, your honor, the, the glove uh, wouldn't appear to fit. Doesn't fit. Hand. 
It's far too. Uh, oh God, yeah, it's really, <laughs> I mean, not, and you know, not all of it is winning, of course, in the words of the great man Charlie Sheen. <laughs> not all of it is winning, but it's like you get eight hours of testimony in a day, and there's probably three hours of like good stuff in there which is pretty good that's a pretty good hit rate honestly mm-hmm. um but you know uh, all, like all the stuff on youtube it's all there and it's mm. so, oh god it's so good it's so good and then <laughs> the comments are tremendously disturbing because everybody loves johnny depp and is horrible to amber heard um but it's fascinating and i think amber heard is telling the truth i'm gonna go on record and say that because i don't think many other people are but like i don't know it's fascinating it's so good i i it's just so good i don't know what else to tell you i don't know what else to tell you (sighs) and you know may 16th we're coming back the court's taking a break because Judge Penny had a previous obligation. But May 16th will be back the in the room. What other previous obligation does he have? He's a judge. Look, she had this fucking... Oh, she's a judge. Don't even get me started on this Judge Penny thing. Judge Penny had a previous obligation to some fucking judicial conference. And all I can say is this better be a pretty fucking good judicial conference to be making us wait for Amber Heard to be cross-examined for a whole goddamn week. I've been refreshing Google for three days, not a fucking new link. Although CNN has the audacity to continue to live update, although there are no updates. There are summations of previous information. <laughs> Don't even fucking get me started on this Judge Penny ass crap fucking bullshit, man. All right? Declan, and I, I think wa- it's up. I once again must ask are you okay? No! Because we're being made to wait a goddamn fucking week, man? So Judge Penny can go to her judicial conference? No, no. I I call bullshit on this, quite frankly. And I think this is all to benefit Johnny. I think it's all a conspiracy to benefit Johnny. Because we don't take care of women in this country. Well, you're right about that, yeah. I actually ended it with a good point. It would have been a stronger bit if I held that back. around all the way back. I would like to apologize to the judge uh, for assuming at first that they were uh, a man, as uh, you said that they were doing something oh. horrific and uh, 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 nonsensical. So, of course, I assumed that would be done by a man. But, uh, you know, uh, but women can can have prior obligations and leave in the middle of the biggest trial of the century, too. And uh, that's I, on me. I, too, think it is very peculiar, but... Uh, I guess it's fine. And a lot of people are saying, a lot of the pundits are saying, a lot of us are saying, quite frankly, that it's going to benefit Amber's side. That it's going to, the her testimony will uh, sit in their minds for hmm. for longer. Um, so we'll see what, we'll see how this shakes. I'm purely adrenalized by the whole thing. I mean, I just can't get enough of it, quite frankly. Um, yeah. There's just a lot of great crime stuff happening right now that I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. A lot of cases that I'm following at the moment seem to like be really heating up, and that's actually not a joke. So, yeah, um, I'm excited about that. 
Are you a quick okay? Question. <laughs> no. Um, a quick question. Have you read the Elizabeth Finch articles in Vanity Fair? I cannot say that I have. Wow. I'm sending these to you immediately. These are the best. <laughs> these don't involve murder, but Noah, they're the most fast. And again, I'm deeply not all right. But these are the most fascinating <laughs> pieces of true crime in recent memory. And it's totally mind-boggling. Um, and our readers should go out there, too. Uh, this woman was a writer for Grey's Anatomy. and Oh, I have heard about this. Yeah, you got to read these articles. Even if I didn't heard... read the articles, but I heard I read about it. I don't think I've read those specific Even if articles. you've seen a broad overview of it, these are truly two of the best pieces of, like, uh, like... <laughs> Investigative. I almost called it gotcha journalism, but yes, I mean, in a way, yeah. But no, they got this bitch, though, for real. Not like, gotcha, but like, hey, we gotcha. Like, we, we called you on it. It's so good, man. Um, it reminds me, there's and- a thread of, um, I've seen it a few times on Twitter, of like a TV writer who's claiming that they're a former military and they keep getting hired because of that and keep getting like and they keep getting exposed in every single showroom that they're in that they're not actually military Um, but somehow they keep getting hired and so like it happens more frequently than than we think well it does there are i've heard a couple not anything on this scale but i have heard a couple things similar to this in just like personal circles and i think it's like i I would never think to lie to get into a room like that because it would, I feel like in a writer's room, that's like kind of the one place it would get aired is if you like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's going to come out eventually in a writer's room unless you're a, a master manipulator, which uh, I would not be. But like, I kind of get it if you're a mid-range writer that couldn't really get into a, a good writer's room. And you have that one piece of experience. I'm assuming this guy is going and writing on a lot of military and or like action procedurals where his experience, his perceived experience would play into the show in some way, in a way that like perhaps he has middling writing skills, but his personal experience will give us an air of reality and he can advise us on the details of that life. But um, you are correct, although it is a woman. Uh, oh, it's a woman. Th- I'm so I know. sorry. No, I know. I made the same I mistake you about said the it judge. Was a guy at first. I made the same mistake about the judge. It just sounds like something a, a guy would do. Oh God, um, ladies, stop letting us down. Um, yeah, no. This uh, it, it was like a room full of like the they were assembling a room full of vets. Um. So yeah. Uh, and people are like, people are like, oh that that tour length doesn't match up or that that ranking doesn't match up or that equipment that they're describing doesn't match up right which is insane that like you wouldn't do your research on that or at least try to make it look right yeah one of the things in this vanity fair article and there are two vanity fair articles but i forget i think it's in the first one one of the things that she, this woman lies about is that her friend was killed in um, the Tree of Life mass shooting in Pittsburgh. Jesus Christ. And, that she, and this is awful. What I'm about to describe is truly awful and possibly triggering. So maybe skip forward 30 seconds. But she said she 
her friend was killed in that shooting and she personally went to Pittsburgh to clean up the remains of her friend's body because in the Jewish religion they need to be buried with all of their body parts 24 hours after their death and according to this woman the FBI allowed her to go in and clean up this crime scene because she was so distraught over her friend's death and so then years later when they're putting all this together they realize like wait actually the day of this shooting she posted pictures on facebook at like a dinner and then the day after when she would have ostensibly been in pittsburgh she posted pictures like at the beach in santa monica or something crazy like that like so she wasn't even trying to (laughs) or probably more likely is such a narcissist that she thought nobody will even notice that yeah. It's just insane. It's just wild. truly wild. It's wild. And I get such a thrill out of that kind of behavior. Not doing it, and I wouldn't want to be around it. But to read about it is like, oh, I just can't possibly get enough info about it. I just can't get enough info. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I am this week, which could roughly be crystallized into taking a lot of pleasure in the pain of other people. Like, really... <laughs> um, and again, I'm not all right. So um, there's that. I will say very quickly, I did see a film that doesn't involve crime. Well, actually, it does involve crime. Um, but I saw the movie The Lost City, the Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum oh, yes. uh, movie, which we, which we tried to do on the show for quite a period of time. A lot of texts happened trying to line up a, a time mm-hmm. that we could all go see this film. Um, and it uh, just didn't work out. But uh, I have seen it, and I'm here to say it's very entertaining. It's a very entertaining sort of action romantic comedy. Um, Like a throwback to those action comedies from the 80s that are more interested in being a comedy than an action movie, which I was a fan of. Um, Mm -hmm. I genuinely laughed probably a dozen times and that helped to like i was in a good mood when i saw it it was like the right stream of events but i was actually surprised how very funny some parts of it were um patty harrison is very funny in it davine joy randolph is hilarious uh sandra bullock is so good i wish that she would stop putting fillers in her face because so much of her appeal is her like elastic face and in this she's she looks like a little courtney cox ish like she Mm. had it done on the set that day um which i'm always just like guys just don't just don't do that it looks insane and it it takes away from the performance it's a real bummer um but the movie was really good i liked it a lot it's one of the better uh flat out comedies that like has been out in the last few years in that it's actually funny it's not just funny in theory it actually goes out of its way to do like funny bits Mm. um so yeah would recommend and i enjoyed that it like it i definitely laughed less in the second half of the movie but that is kind of the case with any comedy as the plot machinations get into order it's just there's less hits but um it never let the action overwhelm 
the story or the characters or the comedy which which i'm always really nervous about in action comedies that it just becomes a straight out action movie at the end and this doesn't really and actually like the final sequence isn't even really like an action sequence and they keep all of the action sequences fairly like small scale and kind of workable within the world so yeah i really enjoyed it well directed really actually kind of like on the money um and for what it is have no complaints about it like just a good romantic comedy it's not really a romantic comedy it's more just like a sort of adventure comedy it's like a romancing the stone um but yeah i highly recommend honestly it's just like escapist um fair you know Mm -hmm. nothing that will break your world open but I enjoyed it. Um, have you seen anything, Noah, this week? I have. Um, I have seen one thing that I cannot talk about. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, Is that um, all you're going to say? Because there's really no point in broaching it. I, I saw... A a film in a test screening, and I've signed an NDA that I cannot say anything about it. Um, I'll say that it was the upcoming A24 picture, Past Lives, um, and that it was very, very good. But I I've never le- heard of that. Cannot legally tell you anything else, but it is very. I don't very even good. think you can legally say that you've seen it if you sign an NDA, can you? Yeah. What are they gonna do? Uh, when this comes out, will you be able to say that you've seen it? Yeah, sure. It was very good, and you should keep it on your radar. It's very, very good. It's uh, it's a very, very good movie. Uh. Is this Nora's family immigrates to Canada when she is 10 years old? Is that the plot of this movie? Yes. Okay. Huh. Interesting. I've never heard of this movie. Yeah. Interesting. You will. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. I have to take this out. This doesn't even have a release date yet. So it's you. It's definitely still going to be binding by the time this comes out. Um, interesting. Well, good to know. Keep an eye on that. Uh, I'll take this out. But is it a straight drama? Is it like a thriller? Like what's the? It's pretty much a straight drama. Um, there's a little comedy in it. Like it's a little funny, but it's mostly like a romantic drama. Um, almost a K drama, but it's also half in english it's just very oh okay bittersweet sad like oh. very well done interesting simple. huh well i think you'd like it a lot it's very good really okay yeah i honestly can say from looking at the thing it's probably not something i would have gone to see had you not but who knows a24 uh always surprising um but but yeah, yeah, mostly, uh, no, I have not seen anything. Other Very than well. not enough of the inside of my eyelids. Oof. Well, I've been seeing a lot of those. I've been trying to get my nightly 9 to 10 hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, well, Noah, if that's all that we have seen this week, unless you want me to talk to you a little more about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard. No, Depp that's Heard okay. DVH. Although I do have a few more things to say about it because weirdly, I don't know if it's just because I'm watching so much of it, but this movie has a lot of DVH that be heard to it. I have to say, but we can get to that. Um, Interesting. Noah, what, what are we watching this week? Well, Douglas, uh, you uh, you alluded to it earlier. We're watching the third reel of the Birdcage. Yep. And you had not seen this. Oh no, I've seen this. You literally last night you said you had not seen this. What are you talking about? I'm so sorry. I thought you were strictly asking, which makes sense now. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm I'm dumb because of course that's what you were asking me. But I. Don't know why when I read that I thought you were asking me if I had seen it for this recording. I, well, <laughs> you said just for the for the reader. Um, Declan said, "Sick, I'm gonna watch it tonight." And I said, "It's delightful. Have you seen it?" <laughs> yes, I understand. I caught. I said, "Of course." And you that's said, what you were "I saying. haven't. I'm watching it tonight." Yes, I'm so sorry. I for. <laughs> Who were you? Who, 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 who were you? Johnny Depp's legal team? Why are you questioning me like this? Yes, I just, sir, I just said I Objection. understand. Pandering. Oh, it's, if anything, it's hearsay, all right? Because I haven't <laughs> seen those texts admitted into evidence, and I think Judge Penny needs to look at them first. Look. Joel, Judge Penny is out for the week for a judicial conference, so. Must be nice. Judge Penny sitting by the pool while we're stewing, waiting for more <laughs> info from the vultures in the media. Um, I, I'm so sorry. I was just distracted. I remember exactly what I was doing when you sent me that text. And I was just like at, at, at a crossroads of four different things. And for some reason, when I read it, I took it as like for this recording, but in fairness, I have not seen it probably in like 10 years. So it had been a minute since I'd seen it. And my, my memory of it was quite fresh because I've seen it so many times, but I, I did take it to mean, have you, have you seen it for this recording? So I was surprised when you had said you had not seen it last night. Yes. Anyway, uh, okay. Yes. As as you should be. I'm very. I'm. Um, I'm contrite. What you know. What uh, did What did you remember when you first? From well, what you first knew. I I remember this movie like very well. There wasn't really anything in it where I was like, oh, I forgot about this part or this this scene. Um, it was my first time seeing it like as an adult like not like a teenager but i this was the first r-rated movie that i saw in the theaters i'm pretty sure like that was rated r yeah it was um for what for swearing i guess well they say fuck more than once so it's gonna get an r rating especially in the mid 90s sure and right. honestly, this is the kind of movie that even if it hadn't, even if they hadn't said fuck more than once, it would have gotten an R because it was about gay lifestyle. Like that just, this would have been an R in the 90s for content alone, unfortunately. And 
quite possibly still would be an R rating now if it was released by a smaller studio. Honestly, because movies like this still will get an R rating for like, you know, Mm -hmm. just because it's about, I saw a movie really recently that had an R rating for literally in quotes, brief sexual content. I was like, interesting, must be a steamy sex scene. And I watched it and there was nothing in it. No swearing. It was just a movie about two women in love. And it was like the co- and it was like a French movie. In the context of it, it had an R rating for brief sexual content because it, in America, and it was like, well, you know, lesbians. So, mm. yeah, this was R rated. Um, Wild. But yeah, this was I saw. I I was very very young when I saw it, but my grandmother loved this movie and she watched it constantly, and had like several vhs's of it had the film itself on vhs but also just had like tapings of it from uh off of the television um but yeah so a funny little story that i'll tell you uh quickly was the no such thing for me but um (laughs) this was the first r-rated movie that i saw in the theater i'm pretty sure unless there's something else that i don't remember but i was so young at the time that like i don't even really remember seeing this in the theater i I have a vague memory of like going to see it but mainly i just know that i did if that makes sense um but my grandmother had seen it i think a couple times already in the theater and more than I think thinking that I would enjoy it, I think she just wanted to see it again. And so, like, took me to see it. Um, but by that point, it was at, like, a, we had a second-run theater in Sacramento that f- just closed recently. But for a long time, the theater itself was called The Birdcage. Because it was <laughs> just, like, a tiny little four-screen, like... Quite similar to the quad, actually. Tiny little screens and tiny little theaters. And so basically, so we went to see that, this, the Birdcage, at the Birdcage Theater. Because it was like its second run at that point. And I thought truly well into my teens that the theater was called that because of the film. That somehow there was a <laughs> correlation there that it was a, I, I don't even understand. Um, but I was too old when I realized, like, oh, actually, no, that's just a, a coincidence. Um, so that was... And then I've seen it so many times since then. But like I said, probably not since I was a teenager. But you had not seen this before at all. I had seen nothing about this. I knew nothing of it. Um, when I looked it up to find where it was streaming, I saw that it was a LGBT comedy. Um, and that's all I knew. Yeah. And so, what what did you think, Noah? Gosh, this was delightful. I really liked this movie. It was really good. Um, I have some thoughts on it, but overall, I thought this was very, very good. Um, just a real fun watch. Really interesting watch. Um, Robin Williams is just fantastic which is not really a hot take um kind of a boring take for this movie or and really anything he's ever done but gosh him nathan lane's fantastic it's just a very good performances all around and then also just it's a very fascinating story you can kind of tell it was a play like it feels like it was a play yes yeah 
but it's still very good and it translates better than some plays do to screen um i agree and it's just really really good my only complaint is the end Oh, can we hold off on that real quick? Yeah, we, I want to circle we get back. To that? Yeah. Because I, yeah. Um, well, I completely agree with you. I, and I realized when I was watching this last night that I say this all the time when we do like feel good comedies on this show. And that honestly, I think uh, if, if in a perfect world, this show would eventually morph into only feel good comedies. But, um, mm-hmm. This might be, but I truly mean this, and I know that, but I do think this is my favorite movie we've done for the podcast in terms mm-hmm. of like rewatchability. And I, oh, I love this movie. I just think it's great. And I knew doing it after doing a few like heavy movies with the Spike Lee retrospective would be a nice sort of palate cleanser, certainly a better palate cleanser than Virginia Woolf. Um, <laughs> but yeah i just love this movie and it's a type of movie that is um is is done so well here that is not done really at all anymore and if it is done well it's done as kind of like a really low budget like five to ten million dollar like comedy for netflix that is more of like uh the comedy is of more like a burlesque show variety um where like and what I mean by that is, like, on the page to this, there are some really corny jokes in this movie and some really shticky sitcom mm-hmm. setups that, that really, if you read it on the page without it being an established success in France already, you'd probably be like, hmm, I wonder about this. And if it wasn't Mike Nichols directing and Elaine May writing. But it just all works so effortlessly, and there's hardly a moment in the movie where I think, actually, this is just an elevated sitcom which it is but it watching it that doesn't occur to me it's not a problem because mm-hmm. it's just done so well and the sort of like ne plus ultra of that i think does come at the end so i won't talk about that yet we we'll talk when we get to the end but um I, it's like i i don't think i have any complaints about this picture i i don't think i could say any one bad thing about this movie and it's just like from the opening credits i'm just so into it that terrific shot coming into the the port of miami like brilliant and that i was trying to figure out like we see that so often in movies now that's almost like an ubiquitous opening to uh, a comedy or some or, or really any movie is like coming in over the water to new york city or to or especially i feel like in miami that same exact shot is always set up coming into that same... I don't know what that neighborhood is called in, in Miami, but you always see it in movies. And I was trying to think watching this last night, like, was this one of the first movies that kind of did that? And mm. pioneered the idea of... Uh, probably not the very, very first that did a shot like that, but I wonder if this is, like, where that kind of caught on and became popularized, because I don't recall seeing it so much in movies before this. Um, but yeah, I, I, tr- I mean, I think it's one of Robin Williams' best performances. I think yeah. it's really, um, it might even be his best perform. I don't want to speak too hyperbolically, but, um, 
Yeah, because what else is there? I mean, he's got so many, but it like this is a I very have... good Robin Williams performance. I haven't seen a lot of... I haven't seen Good Morning Vietnam. I haven't seen Dead Poets Society. Uh, but in I do find in Robin Williams' dramatic performances, I sometimes find him to be a bit sentimental. And I find in his comic performances, I think he's a little too antic. Like, I, I don't love that mm. antic Robin Williams, Jim Carrey. I appreciate it, but it's not the first thing I would go to or even the second or third if I wanted to laugh. Mm-hmm. But here... It's a perfect, he's playing a real, a grounded character in a real world, but he's also very funny. But he's not funny in an outstanding way, or a way that you would say, that's trademark Robin Williams. He's, he's being funny within playing the character, mm-hmm. which sounds very obvious, but actually it's, it's not something that I would that I have seen a lot from Robin Williams or could even point to another performance of his that is as nuanced as this necessarily. Um, and yeah, the whole cast is great. Nathan Lane's terrific. Gene Hackman is so good in this. Oh my gosh. And just terrific and 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 did such... You've seen the Royal Tenenbaums, haven't you? I have not, no. <gasps> have you not? Oh my God, Really? I have not. Oh, we've got to do. You how many have Wes Anderson to see movies the Royal Tenenbaums. What? You really do, though. How, have you seen a lot of Wes Anderson movies? Um, some. Okay, we should like probably half do a of Wes his Anderson. films. We should probably do go back and look at some of his movies because if you've not seen Bottle Rocket or Rushmore or, um, I have not seen any of those. Yeah, Tenenbaums. Oh yeah, we should watch those. Um. But yeah, every, well, just to say, Gene Hackman was doing great work in comedies around this time, in the mm-hmm. mid... Well, really just this and Royal Tenenbaums, to be honest, are like two really terrific comedic performances from him. Um, um, Oma, also, how good is Diane Weiss? I, oh, so uh, good. I think I've got So a, good, outstanding. I, I, I think I've come down with a... a, a a Diane Weist infection. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't take credit for that. It's a Brooklyn Nine Nine joke, but uh, it's a uh, immaculate joke that uh, that they had. Well, I've got a bit of a, a Weist infection too. I have to. I've say. got a bit like, of a Diane, I... as uh, Joe Latrugo said on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Got something of a Diane Weist infection. Well, I I too. I, I, and look, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever seen Diane Weist in a movie that I haven't enjoyed her in, even when she's in that terrible uh, flashback cameo in Bright Lights Big City, where she has no lines and dies of cancer. But um, she's so funny in this, in a mm-hmm. way that, like, you, you, I, I haven't gotten to see her be that funny in a really, in a lot of stuff. Yeah, and also she's normally very I, serious. This is very good. I have to say, like, I don't know if this is a weird fetish of mine all of a sudden, but like, she also looks really hot when she's dressed up as like a gimp at the end of the movie. Not a gimp, <laughs> or like whatever. I guess like she looks almost like an SS officer. I'm not even sure of like what they had her dressed as, but I was actually like, actually, Diane Weist is like kind of kind of looking great. And they got her in like a form fitting little. 
Um, yeah, all, all power to her, you know? And, oh my, when, when Robin Williams goes, we need to call your mother, and I go, oh, I bet it's going to be Christine Baranski. <laughs> and they call up Christine Baranski. And I was like, oh my god, yes. Well, that is the one thing from this movie that I did not recall was her involvement. And I guess somehow, was she in the, she must have been in the cast at the top of the movie. And I just I, She it. wasn't when I went on Google, like I did not know she was coming, but in the back of my head I was like, oh, Christine Boransky would be an interesting person to see here. Oh, you didn't then, know she was in I it? I didn't know she was going to be in it. And then she oh, showed up, hilarious. and I was like, yes, that's so good. Like, thank you. That's fantastic casting. I mean, oh, my the God. Per- the perfect the perfect casting. And this was probably one of her first, like, screen performances. Um, probably even before she got her break on, on the sitcom that she was on with Sybil Shepherd, because this came out, I think, the year before that. Um, but, yeah, always so nice to see Christine Baranski in a movie. This is a movie full of people... Well, not not everybody in the cast, but this is a movie full of cast members that I'm honestly, like, always happy to see. Like, have never, even in a bad movie, I'm like, great, we've got Diane Weist, or we've got Christine Baranski, or we've got Nathan Lane. Like, this is going to be fine. Um, and especially to see them all in, like, what I, what I would term to be a genuinely terrific film of its kind. What a treat. What a, what a treat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, um, if I'm to nitpick the casting, I don't love the, the, the Dan Futterman who plays the son. There's just something about. He, he looks, um, he looks like a young, um. Bradley Cooper. Oh my god, he and does. For the the longest I was like, that's Bradley Cooper, obviously. They got every other big actor ever. Why would it not be Bradley Cooper? And then it wasn't Bradley Cooper. And I don't think he's really been in anything else, so Well, Dan F- he's been in a few things. I know him from this, but also he played a very similar he basically played the same role on Will and Grace. He played, I believe, the son of the character Will, who is also a gay man on that show, um, hmm. who like came to live with them or came to like visit in the later seasons. I don't, I don't really remember that show very well. But um, Dan Futterman is now actually like a really well-known writer, and I believe he's Academy Award nominated. He wrote, he writes a lot of Bennett Miller screenplays. He is credited for Capote. And I believe he worked on the Moneyball script, but I don't know if he has a credit for that. I'll look it up. But he also wrote Foxcatcher. So, and he's written other stuff too. I'll, I'll look him up and see what else he's written. But he's actually like quite a prolific writer and script doctor now in the, yeah. in the industry. One of the more respected uh, writers, which is interesting. Um, oh, and he played Daniel Pearl in A Mighty Heart. That's right. Forgot about that. 
Um, yeah, but he hasn't acted since 2014. Um, he wrote the television show American Rust, uh, The Looming Tower. He's written a lot of Jeff Daniels stuff, Foxcatcher, In Treatment, and Capote. Interesting. So he's written a lot of stuff. Written a lot of like, basically like all hits too. Not like necessarily created a uh, 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 financial, but all like lofty, uh, high budget, well received mm-hmm. television and movies. So, but yeah, there's something about his. I think on the page, the character is tough. I think it's a tough character to make. It's a yeah, uh, likable in a in a way, even though it's such as the tone of the movie you don't really take him uh you don't take him seriously necessarily but it is on the page a tough character to make likable and i just there's something about his acting that is um there needed to i i feel there needed to be like a naivete to that role and he's not really naive he seems actually a little smarmy mm-hmm. and there's just something about that that doesn't quite work for me. Also, like, I didn't realize until watching it this time that, like, I realized in the context of the movie that he was their son. Obviously, that's what the whole movie is about. But watching it last night, I had a realization that, like, oh, but I, I've never actually bought him as being their son. In my head, I'm like, yeah, 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 his their son, the plot of the movie, blah, blah, blah. But the way it plays, he's almost just, like, a third person in, in mm-hmm. the relationship or in the apartment like he, he he looks he's almost he was 27 when he made this movie like he he looks a little too old it needed like a i know michael j fox was too old at this point too but it needed somebody who's like an 80s michael j fox a jason bateman if you will mm-hmm. like trying to think who would have been the mid 90s a leo dicaprio although he's too serious probably but like somebody might have yeah a joaquin phoenix even who was doing kind of uh was just starting out at this point i don't know like even bradley cooper honestly i think a young bradley cooper would have brought like a puppy dog energy to it that that i think this actor is lacking but Mm -hmm. that doesn't get in the way of the the movie itself it's not a stumbling block yeah it's just kind of like oh yeah that's there yeah yeah it's I think it only stands out because everybody else so seamlessly fits into the part. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you couldn't even who else, but Christine Baranski is going to play that role. And could you imagine anybody, but Nathan Lane or Robin Williams in their respective roles? Like I, I know specifically Nathan Lane. Absolutely not. But he's so brilliant in this. Yeah. And you know that was going to be Robin Williams initially. It was going to be Robin Williams in the Nathan Lane role, and Steve Martin was going to play um, oh, the role that Robin Williams uh, Armand, the role that Robin Williams eventually played. But then I think Steve Martin, uh, the the production was delayed, and Steve Martin had to go make Sergeant Bilko, which I'm sure he regrets, and then couldn't do this. And Robin Williams, excuse me said to Mike Nichols basically like I've done a lot of roles like this I'd kind of like to play the straight man and mm-hmm. so did I think that's one of the better touches better. of this movie yeah yeah um because yeah, this is also the movie that made Nathan Lane a star it, uh, I think screen. bringing Nathan Lane into this was the best 
thing they did yeah yeah it's like it's it's undeni it's undeniable it's just one of those um it's it's one of those movies where like basically everything feels exactly as it should be there's no real noting that that you know what i mean like there's no um Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing to really like for me, at least. But I know you had issues with some things. I just had issues with the ending. It was perfect up until the credits rolled. How so? Which normally would, it felt very unfinished and unfulfilled to me. Like it was, I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is a great film. And then they just kind of rolled credits over them leaving with not much resolution on any of the subplots or really the main plot even. It all felt very easy. Well, I mean, it was easy, but the whole movie is kind of easy breezy. So, but yeah, but like you you never, you, you never have to see the Senator come to terms with the fact that his daughter's or may, is the daughter even going to marry the son who knows well, like did it's you watch or the you do yeah you do you, you see that the the senator mar- they do get married but like is he okay with it you don't re- like it's like a very like it well, ties it up neatly very quickly i i actually think um i actually think all of that is there in in the scene in the bar when they come out with the drag queens before they exit the bar that is the end of the movie which Mm -hmm. i too had forgotten that that was basically the end of the movie but i actually kind of loved it because it was like there's no fat on this it's like when they get out of the club is the end of the movie they get away from the press and there's that great line at the end that truly made me laugh out loud that was the thing I was saying earlier that in a lesser movie would be such a sticky piece of shit line that you would never want to say as an actor where Gene Hackman tells his driver, like, meet me at the corner of Lincoln and wherever in 20 minutes. And the driver says, lady, not in a million years. And that's the end of the movie. Like, that shows how well this movie was put together, that that line worked. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in the bar where they come off the stage. They, they don't come off the stage and immediately leave. Like, you spend time with each, with Gene Hackman and Diane Weist and, and uh, Callista Flockhart and Dan Futterman, all sort of, like, as they're leaving. And especially for Gene Hackman's character, like, I think his entire turnaround is there. But a lot of it's nonverbal. A lot of it is in his behavior and in his sort of reactions to things that are happening in the bar um and just feels like a very fast reversal um yeah but i also don't think it's the kind of movie where like it it's not it's just not the kind of movie where it's gonna he's gonna have a heart-to-heart sit to, I mean he kind of actually does with Diane Weist at one point they have a conversation mm. just the two of them and I think at that point that's when he kind of starts to see I think that's probably the the technical turning point for his character um but it's not really about him the movie's not really his story in the end it's kind of like the B story um 
Whose story is it, do you think? Well, I think unfortunately probably the sons, but I think you could make an argument that on a broader, you know, yeah, honestly, if you were them. like, if you were like, well, I don't know. I mean, if you were breaking it down for like a, a screenwriting class, the, the instructor would probably say it's none of them. But I mean, it's like, I don't, that's silly to me because the, on a, on a macro level, it's a story about Nathan Lane and Robin Williams. Like it is, we are mm-hmm. seeing the film through their eyes. We are. It is their life experience as characters that is inextricably linked to the plot material the most. So it's like their movie. But um, but I think in a technical way, if you were to like analyze it, people would probably try to say like, oh, it's it's the son's movie. But I don't know about. I don't necessarily subscribe to that method of. Um, I don't know. I. Watching it, I think it's Robin Williams' movie, but it's tough. It's kind of none of them, which it, I know you hate that, but I technically I do think it's probably none of them, but mostly it's Robin Williams struggling with being okay with that label. With what label? with like who he is and because he kind of doesn't he like tries to hide it here and there like who he is in his life um but then at the end yeah i don't know it's not really i don't don't agree with that necessarily i mean that's an interesting point i don't know i didn't get the sense that he was in denial or ashamed of his lifestyle of being gay or being in a relationship with Nathan Lane I saw it as he understood what he needed to do for his son but he was not happy to do it I think actually I saw in his character a lot of pain in having to hide Mm. his his lifestyle um but he also hides his son at the beginning for some reason hides his son oh from nathan lane from nathan lane at the beginning but that was because the son couldn't have the conversation about marriage with nathan lane because nathan lane is so dramatic sure he that was the whole thing about but robin williams didn't know that was what he was going to talk about no but the son it's in the dialogue when they in this first scene with the son when they're drinking wine out on the porch he the sunset like they planned it so that the sun was going to come at the time that nathan lane was on stage and he even says i think like how long do we have and robin williams says like oh 45 minutes that you know or whatever he says um yeah at first i thought they were like it was a he was cheating on nathan lane well yeah i think that's what they're setting it up for um I mean, yeah, until until midway through that discussion that they have, it's like they're setting it up to make the I don't know. The, by by I don't I don't mean to say he's like ashamed. I mean like he's kind of cagey and kind of like um not like hostile, just like very like particular and trying to control a lot of things and trying to like make 
other people happy instead of himself, I guess. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's com- he's a complicated character and I don't but like he's really the only thing that holds all of the other subplots together. Yeah. So like he's the only arguable main character other than maybe the son, but he does the son doesn't really factor into Nathan Lane and Robin Williams subplot. Yeah, I mean, he, I don't know, he kicks, I, I, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's probably Robin Williams. Um, Not that it matters, but, but. That, it's, that, I, I don't know, I always get so, like, tied up trying to talk about those things because I'm just like, it's so nebulous, it's so, mm-hmm. um, and the only person that could tell us is Mike Nichols or Elaine May, um. And I know, I actually hear that Elaine May loves this podcast. So, Elaine, <laughs> if you're listening, we'd love to have you on to talk about your career. My gosh, yeah. Uh, the more I have read about Elaine May in the last couple of days doing research for this movie, the more I think we should watch her movies for this podcast. Because she's only made like three or four, period. Mm. So it'd be like a quick, a quick thing. But they're all... Uh, notable classics um was the ending the only uh yeah i like and I, I it was it's tied up very nicely and i know that fits well for the movie it just it felt very fast and easy where the rest of the movie felt kind of slow and patient of like seeing this all unfold on itself and then it was just kind of like, well, we could put you in a wig and bring you downstairs and get rid of you, and then we'll get married over a credit sequence. It just felt very quick compared to the rest of the film. And I kind of well, wanted to see yeah. them flounder a little bit more. I kind of wish it was a little longer. Which is saying something because it's a minute shy of two hours, which when I started I this, I was like, longer than I remember. What is said about an hour 40 for this? And it feels like it's about an hour 40. It moves fast. Yeah, which I, I never I, say something should be longer. So I don't maybe even like trim up the top and let it lie, let it hang on the end, but No, I I don't think I think this is kind of like perfect because I think when you get to this point in a comedy any extra fat on the end is going to kill it. Like mm-hmm. to me, this is the perfect and I thought this while I was watching it last night. This is a perfect ending for a movie like this because it ends almost a minute or two before you think it's going to end. But on such a high note that there's no point for the audience to settle back in to the rhythms of the narrative, which at this point in a comedy you don't, you don't need. Um, and there's such a, I think even in the 90s this was happening, but it's kind of a relic from the 70s or the 80s even, where... Movies would end and they would just kind of end. And you didn't have an extra two or three or four scenes of wind down because eventually the audiences started needing that, you know? But you see a movie like The Hangover, where that movie should end about ten minutes before it ends. And I'm saying The Hangover because it's the closest thing I can think of that's like a a modern-day equivalent of this. It's just like a, a raucous comedy. But The Hangover, like... 
that should end with them like in Las Vegas. And instead it goes on for an extra 15 minutes or they go to the wedding and they wrap everything up and it's like, no, stop. We were on a high. We were riding high. We need to end it. We need a pop song and need to be dancing up the aisle in about two and a half minutes max. That's it. And this Mm. is like perfect because I was thinking my thought watching it was, Oh, this ends. Uh, I didn't remember the specific ending. And then I also thought like, um, I, I don't think if it had gone into a traditional, if they had seeged from them driving away in the car to a, uh, a wedding sequence that was not part of the credits that had dialogue and where they were showing the, they would be obligated to do a lot more with that sequence because it comes during the credits. You can show bits and flashes and it turns into more of like a, a, a jokey addendum. But if mm. they were to actually do that, it would probably have to be a, a probably at least a three minute sequence of them getting married that wouldn't have any real jokes in it or certainly any more jokes than are consolidated into that like one minute or 45 seconds at the end. Um, I, I honestly thought it was perfect. I was like, this is exactly what I want from this kind of ending from the, this particular kind of movie. Like it doesn't go on any longer than it needs to. Um, sure. And I understand how it could feel there never is a conversation between the characters of like well i've learned this and i've learned that and now moving i don't forward, know that you need to have this. the conversation but yeah no i don't think you do at all but i'm saying i could understand the confusion in not having that in i think it's actually like a pretty risky move to play a lot of the character switches without dot more or less without dialogue in that final scene in the club there's Mm -hmm. some lines of dialogue that kind of sell it like gene hackman has that line about like which again could have come off so cringy and and bad but it like the he and the movie both sell it where he has that line of like what does he say like don't don't i don't want to be the only girl not dancing with someone oh yeah that's it i don't want to be the only girl not dancing with someone where you're like oh okay so he's kind of into it like he gets it like you see like the turn Mm. you know and um i think the only person who you're like who who doesn't explicitly have a out of that family that doesn't explicitly have a turn in that scene is Diane Weist. It's not as clear, but I guess you could make an inference that she's like loosening up. She's becoming less of a, a sort of bubble-headed fuddy-duddy. I think, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of like leave them wanting more, and it, which is better than doing too much. I think the only thing that I like wish I saw was like something with him with the the senator and the tabloids and it could just be like one shot at the wedding or something of like the paparazzis at the wedding and he like poses for a picture like he like sees them and instead of like hiding he like 
smiles or something i don't know or like he's like reading the newspaper and then he just like tosses it aside or something it just felt very like because you see the paparazzi recognize him as he's coming out of the club um and so it all just felt like wait are you not going to do something with that like why like so they had to have known he was there so like this had to have been a massive scandal is he still the senator is he not the senator so just like it left me with a few questions which isn't necessarily a bad thing because um, I mean, I'm still thinking about it, mm. but it just didn't feel as like complete as I would have expected something like this to feel. Yeah, um, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I like the way that it's done, but it's definitely not. It's not the ending of a movie that we would see in 2022. Yeah, um, certainly. Um, but and how much of that comes from? Uh, you know, because obviously it was a different time than for movies, but it wasn't so radically narratively different. Um, so I wonder if that comes from that's the ending that nobody was really questioning Mike Nichols. Nobody was really saying to him like, hey, you need to, you know, because he's Mike Nichols. Or um, if that's just the ending of the play, because that does seem like a very theatrical ending to me. And in a play, I yeah, think like they exit through the aisles and yeah, exact. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, I could actually see. And I have, I've never seen La Caja fall on stage, but I, I was thinking, oh, actually, to have the wedding be the curtain call would make so much sense. Actually, actually, and whether or not that's what they do, I don't know, but it would make sense. Um, and yeah. and in a play, I feel like you can excuse the absence of some key scenes. It's not like a move. It's not like film has come to be where kind of everything is present and accounted for. It's like in a play, it's like stuff can happen off screen or it can happen in dialogue or happen not at all, but you just get the inference of where it's going to go, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but I do, I see what you mean. And, and, and again, like I, I kind of like that personally. Cause I think like it, movies have gotten to such a point now where it's algorithmic of this needs to be here and this needs to be here. And, and part of that is audience demand. And part of it is what pe- filmmakers think movies should be. But there's something refreshing to me about like, again, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse, but especially in a comedy, especially in like a breezy comedy. Yeah. I don't need a lot of explanation. I don't need a lot of, like, extra fat on it. Especially at the end, I'm just like, get me to the end. Um, I I agree. I think I just, a little part of me, just wanted to see Gene Hackman kind of flounder a little bit more. Just like, just because I think it would be entertaining. Like, it doesn't need it for the story. I think just... I was like, fuck, I kind of want to see him have to deal with this and just see what happens. Mostly because I just like, I think it's because I'm like a politics guy and I'm like, oh, I want to see how he tries to weather this scandal. Like, this is so interesting. I want to see more of this, but it doesn't necessarily need it for the story. Yeah, it's like... It'd just be a fun, like, post credit scene or something. Yeah, definitely. And now I feel like if this movie was made now, it would be a post-credit scene. We'd have like a whole press. Co- they'd cut away from the wedding to show us like a press co- intercut, a press conference of like you would establish, 
you know, he's won the next election and he's successful and they the scandal blew over and, you know, but... Um, yeah, the... <laughs> the, the only thing that honestly I didn't like about the ending was the final freeze frame, which I thought happened on the two of the wrong two characters. Almost and it was like also it was a weird accident. freeze frame. It was. They're both making faces like, uh oh, that's all, folks. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like a little out of focus. Like, it was like just not, it was just a weird choice of a freeze frame. It, it was. And it like, stays for a little too long almost like it like it freezes for too long before more credits come up so i Mm -hmm. was kind of like is it gonna go to black is it but then what they do is they just like keep it on their dumb faces (laughs) and credits eventually start to roll and then roll for a minute before it goes to black which is just like i have to say a particularly unsettling choice i'm so sorry it's really the only bad thing to say for the movie (laughs) I know it's like a trope, but I really hate like that freeze frame done unironically. I love it when it's ironic. But oh, ironic's so good, but it's uh, done terrific. so frequently unironically where I'm like, this doesn't work. Stop trying to make it work. The only unironic freeze frames that I do think work are like a if you're doing a throwback style movie freeze frame over the opening titles. You have a freeze frame with the title of the film. But that's mm-hmm. really only if you're really giving me a... And know, even that's like, kind of a parody. Well, or it's like a, a stylistic choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like Steven Soderbergh will do it with like movies that are like derived from films from the 1970s. As like a hat tip yeah. to like... This is... But that's almost like your parody. It's not parodying, but it's like that's a nod to the fact that they used to do that. Yeah, exactly. I don't mind that. That's kind of the only time that I see a a straight-faced freeze frame and I'm like, okay, I'll excuse this. Um, Yeah, I just... It it just... uh, It's just like gilding the lily. Um, Have you seen The Trial of the Chicago 7? The, The movie? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it before the Oscars of 2021. Do you remember the final shot of that movie? Oh my god. The, yeah, we talked about that. That is quite possibly the worst freeze time. frame I've ever seen. I, 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 I almost burnt the theater to the ground when I saw that. I really did. Because I was so... I was like, do you let this man direct a movie? <laughs> I've never seen a freeze frame in my life noah in my life that freezes and then unfreezes what's the point of that talk about guilt in the lily jesus also yeah just i had really off style for the movie but yeah really off style really like i and correct me if i'm wrong i'm almost tempted to pull it up on netflix right now and look at the last 30 seconds of it but don't the doesn't the audio continue over the freeze frame? I think so. Okay, I, I think so too, and I'm, I'm just going to say that's what happens, which is totally infuriating to me. Um, yeah, that was bizarre. I mean, truly, can you... Now, now I'm mad about this. Can you tell me what you think the point of having a freeze frame is then to, to, to unfreeze it? 
What I, would be the I stylistic device there? I don't know. I don't think that it, it. First of all, doesn't fit for the rest of the movie, but it really just doesn't work. I don't get it. It made me so mad. Cut. It, yes, it made me mad too. Because with a freeze frame, I'm like, okay, it's hack, but you're telling me we're we're stuck in this moment in time. But 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 oh god, whatever, 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 whatever. It doesn't even matter. Ah. Oh. Well, Declan, do, do you have anything else you'd like to say about the birdcage? I don't... I'm spiraling right now. Because I can't... I'm wondering what uh, Aaron Sorkin's going to direct next. And I'm reconsidering my well, his last Ricardo's. His last directing wasn't that bad. It's his best directing so far, I I would say. But I wonder how much of that I actually liked that movie and how much of that is just I'm a sucker for a showbiz narrative. Yeah, it might be that. I really am. Like, you could really do any sort of showbiz movie and I, I'm a fucking whore for an ho- old Hollywood story. Like, I... Mm-hmm. I even liked that war- that terrible Warren Beatty rules Donna Platt Howard Hughes movie. Awful. Loved it. Loved every second of it. Um... I have nothing else to say about The Birdcage. I love this movie. I think it's terrific. I I do think it's you have to see because this is an example of like an on-screen farce that truly works. And I Mm -hmm. could not count on one hand. I could not count four more movies that that I would say successfully capture the idea of farce on screen. there's such a great moment early in the movie in Nathan Lane's first scene when Robin Williams is trying to coax him into costume and to come on stage where Nathan Lane, Robin Williams goes into Nathan Lane's wardrobe to get him and Nathan Lane kind of like wriggles out of his, doesn't even wriggle out of his grip, just ducks away and like kind of comes out of the the underside of the, the wardrobe and Robin Williams gets tied up in the, the hangers of clothes and it's so such simple blocking so well done and it's just like oh no one could actually make this work like if you it's just like stuff that is so readily hack so well done Uh, which i think must be high art i don't even know um yeah, I, I just love it. And I think also, too, um, I wish I had been aware in the 90s or in the early 2000s of, like, how genuinely subversive this movie was. Because watching it now, it still seems like there were there were um, moments in this movie and lines of dialogue in this movie that I was like, whoa, if that was in a movie now, it would be really subversive. That would be something now that, like whoa that's that's actually really pointed like a hard a hard-hitting joke um yeah i just think it's great what what are your final thoughts i think it's a you have to see simply just because of the performances are very good and it's also very relevant still now um yeah just really good all around fun movie to watch yeah, it's a very... I'll probably watch it again very soon. And I'd also say it's you have to see. Um, 
the, I think everything about it, the acting, the writing, the direction, it was art, it was nominated for an Academy Award for art direction for the sets, um, which deservedly so. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing you said at the very beginning of us talking about the, the, at the beginning of the episode that it, you could tell it's based off of a stage play, which I think is true, but it doesn't, it feels filmic to me. It doesn't feel stuffy. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it occurred to me how much of this movie takes place in master shots. There's not a lot of close-ups. There's not a lot of like inserts and stuff like that. Um, so, but it, but again, it doesn't feel stagey. The camera's always moving. It's sort of doing like almost like a Woody Allen type of thing where it's kind of in one place, but it's mo- it's dollying in and it's zooming out and it's moving from side to side and capturing different parts of the action. But um, it's really elegantly shot in a really simple way that kind of belies actually how how good it how good it looks. Um, and I just thought it was interesting too because like. You know, if you saw this, there's a scene where they're all in the kitchen that's basically done in one master shot where Robin Williams and Nathan Lane and Hank Azari and the son are all in the kitchen. And Nathan Lane is, like, picking things up. He's folding laundry. He's making reference to, like, the groceries that he's bought. And I was thinking, if this was in a movie now, there would be so many unnecessary close-ups of everything he's referring to. We'd have so mm. many, there'd be a whole fucking day of inserts that's just like his hands holding the sweater or like, and, and completely unnecessary. It's just all like distraction, basically. Um, and yeah, I had never, I didn't notice that before and just thought it's, um, and I don't know, and unfortunately don't know enough about, I'm not familiar enough with Mike Nichols' style off the top of my head to say if that's like a thing that he normally does or if it's particular mm-hmm. to this but i look forward to finding out as we continue yeah. um no as what is continue, the... i was gonna pivot and it sounded like you were going to too i we were both little pivot boys little pivot boys. well Declan, um, since we're continuing what are we yes. what are we watching next well no we're gonna be watching um the graduate which is the second film by uh-huh. Mike Nichols, uh, who uh, we're where's that going? Nowhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the second film by Mike Nichols that uh, he ever made, and also the second one that we'll be covering. The man's name is Mike Nichols, and we are covering movies that Mike Nichols made. The director, Mike Nichols. Yes. Have you ever seen? I have never seen The Graduate. I pitched it last year for this, right around graduation time, because I wanted to see it. Um, I've never seen it, but I've heard good things. I don't think you did pitch it last year. I, like, loosely pitched it, but I didn't really fight for it. Oh, maybe. So I was like, we Um, could do The Graduate around around graduation season. You're like, yeah. And then we didn't. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you got to follow up. You know how I am. (laughs) yeah you know how i am giving giving mystery with all my methamphetamines yeah i'm like yeah 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 the graduate sure 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 (laughs) yeah that sounds great by the way i'm building a train man and it's gonna go all the way to long island it's gonna be really fast all right like yeah all right cool um i presume you've seen it you know man i think i have you know man i think i have um 
but I don't really remember it. And I'm wondering if I've, uh, I know I definitely started to watch it at some point, but I don't know if I can finished it necessarily. Mm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, it's kind of one of those movies that, um, uh, it's so in the culture that like, I know, like I know the ending specifically and I know like a lot of scenes from within it. So it's hard for me to actually say if I've seen this before, I guess I'll find out. I kind of feel like it'll be one of those movies that like, do you ever have that experience where as you're watching something, it scene by scene becomes familiar to you, but the whole is mm, not mm-hmm. apparent and then you get to the end and you're like oh yeah i'd seen that before but had no recollection of it um, yeah i think it'll probably be one of those for me That's but we'll see we'll see what happens um well thanks for listening everybody uh yeah thanks for coming by we'll be back next week uh for the graduate and we hope that you're enjoying dads and grads season um the what dads and grads the what dads and dads Dads and grads what is what does dads have to do with this uh dad i'm just gonna keep saying dads and grads i'm truly dysregulated today um dads and grads is the season in which we find ourselves because it is both graduation season and also Father's Day coming up in about a month. Dad's yeah, Mother's grads. Day was like yesterday or two days, a couple of days sorry, ago. Sorry, sorry, moms, you're over. You're donezo. You've had your oh, day. Oh, that's why we didn't do the graduate last year because we did the Mother's Day to Father's Day run. That's with right. Our mother's favorite movies and then our favorite movies and then our father's favorite movies. Right. Yes, that's what we did. Yeah, that's that's a one-time thing. We can't really do that again. Um, just being their favorite movies, we've kind of burned it out. So yeah, you go to second favorite, but then it's um, then you're kind of just listing movies at that point. You go to least favorite. Well, that um, could be interesting, but that kind of defeats the purpose of the podcast. So, well, not necessarily because. Uh, it's just you don't have to see or I can say with some certainty if it's if it's a bad film I'll probably like it on some level and it will go into my rotation of fall asleep movies <laughs> um, look this is getting deeply personal I yeah. need to get off immediately because I need to watch the Rocky Pennington testimony and I've got seven hours of testimony ahead of me, and um, I don't know what to do. I just I so we gotta we gotta wrap this up. We gotta go. We gotta go. All right. Yeah. Well, folks, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys, for everything. Yeah, we really mean it. Free Amber. Hashtag Free Amber Heard. Hashtag Justice for Amber. Hashtag Aquaman 2. Okay, Declan.